0: It was a bad freak. I used to beat him with a turquoise chain. Yeah. When I was this woman, I He was a big friend, kept his mind entertained all the time I get him off with my turquoise chain I used to whip him, I used to beat him Oh, he used to dig it, yeah, he used to really dig it
1: Studs, and my guest this week is Anya Davidson. Uh, Anya's new book is uh, *Band for Life* from the Fine Folks' Fine graphics, as well as a previous book uh, which came out in the the final days of uh, the Great Picture Box Book, uh, Incorporated. I think that was like within the last six months of that, wasn't it? Or, uh-huh. I can't remember. It's been a while. As well as a new book which will be out. Uh, before this interview is posted, but after we do the interview uh, from the fine folks of Retrofit uh, Lovers in the Garden, uh, thanks for joining me today, Anya.
2: Great to be here, Robin.
1: As well, we should mention we have Anya's dog in the background, who may say hello. What's your dog's name? June. Junebug. Junebug. It's a good southern name, isn't it?
2: Yeah, she was. She was not named by me. She was um, kind of. Handed down um, from other members of the Chicago underground music community, so I, I can't uh, take credit for that. But she she is um, she she looks like a Junebug. She's kind of stocky and um, she's like a Rottweiler German Shepherd mix. She's she's got a lot of character.
1: Oh, nice! Probably a very beautiful dog.
2: Yeah,
1: um. beautiful and
2: dangerous, just like <laughs> I I like them.
1: Uh, now um, I was thinking all different directions about where to start from uh, with the interview and because um, I um, when doing these interviews and prepping for them I usually like sit down and read everything within like a two three days beforehand and um, one of the things for me with uh, Band for Life is I wish I gave myself more time with it um, which I mean in the most flattering way possible, uh, because there was such a dense brevity to the characters and to the lives, um, and it really stuck with me for a while. And, um, and, and I'm just thinking, like, it's it, it's really interesting in a lot of ways. And this is totally not how I normally start my interviews, so. Bear with me. No, dude, go for it. (laughs) Um, But I mean, it it reminds me of kind of in the in the same vein of like how um, Jaime or or Gilbert um, kind of just set up these worlds and it's just like kind of more just rolls out from the characters and more and more and it's uh, not just a singular story, but it's a whole bunch of stories kind of hiding behind the story of a band.
2: Yeah, I've always been a maximalist. I mean, obviously Gilbert and Jaime are I mean, untouchable, you know, they're they're the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. Um but uh you know, and, and um the way they create those worlds is I mean you you really yeah, you can stay with the characters for a lifetime. I mean they you know they're they're Facial features change as they age. You know, they they have families, and yeah, like you say, I mean, everyone has a story, and that certainly, um, you know, was was a big influence on me. Um, I especially love Gilbert's Palomar stories. I um, that stuff just really, yeah, that really stuck with me. Um, but but yeah, I'm also, you know, I'm I think a lot about artist communities and I, I feel a little isolated among my, like with with my peers, you know, we're, we've all kind of created this intentional community, this bubble of people, of artists um, who are around the same age and um, who have similar life experiences, you know, I mean, certainly not you know, we we come from many different backgrounds, but a lot of us have been to art school. A lot of us have, you know, followed creative pursuits. And I, I'm always most touched, or or I feel like um, the the kind of richest interactions that I have are are with people who, you know, I like. I'm always so excited to meet someone who's a little older than me, who's maybe you know um, been doing something um, similar but who just has like a wider breadth of experience or I'm always you know I very rarely am around children but I'm always really excited um, to meet you know punks with kids or so I really it was really important to me when I was conceiving Band for Life to have to um, portray a wide range of you know to have to have older characters and younger characters and and to show kind of um, you know, you know the different the different ways that people kind of came to that creative community, mm-hmm. the different avenues they kind of all followed to end up in in that community and and all the characters are none of them are based on any one person, but you know many of them are composite characters. Um, but, but yeah I mean this, this I'm really lucky in Chicago to be part of just a, a tremendous you know creative community and and yeah like I said some some I love meeting you know and learning about people's backgrounds
1: now you just mentioned uh, kind of part of learning backgrounds like a lot of you went to art school and kind of there's a, a bit of shared experience uh, coming into um into musical scene um, and, and I'm really curious about your background because uh, it sounds like music is really at the forefront a lot of who you are uh, but you also have like two big comic books um, sitting here on my desk right now uh, so I mean it's not like you, you're just kind of flittering with comics it's very core like there's a lot of work that have gone into both of these pieces and so I'm wondering what, what that background is was there always kind of a intermingle between the two, or was there kind of a more of a focus on something at one point, and then kind of back into another?
2: There's always been a way greater focus on cartooning, on on art making. I, um, you know, I ended up, I went to art school and ended up joining a band. Um, I I went to Food Not Bombs, uh, like, right after I first moved to Chicago. Um, and I yeah I wanted to do some you know community stuff, um, and so I found uh, I found a group of people who were doing food not bombs, and so we were cooking and serving food at this little house on the DePaul University campus, and um, I met my bandmates my my future bandmates that way, so. It, it. I kind of fell into being in a band, like I, you know, they, they are, cough was the, the first band that I was in, kind of the most formative band, and, um, yeah, they were playing and they wanted a singer, and so I went and tried out, and, um, so I, I ended up, it, it was just by, by chance that I ended up, very much by chance that I ended up in that band, I mean, I always loved funk music, I'd always wanted to be in a band, I, I, had guitar lessons since I was a young teenager. Uh, I never thought that I could be in a band. I think, like, kind of the running theme of me as an artist and a musician is, like, what can you do with, like, very little technical skill and just, like, a fucking massive amount of desire. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so that, that's, like, the engine that drives cartooning and... Music making for me is like a, like just just like an outsized amount of love and and passion for the form, and a constant butting up against my limitations and a frustration with my limitations. Um, you know, I'm I'm in a band right now with uh, Connor Steck-Schulte, who's an amazing cartoonist,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, and uh, Chris Day, who's he's just an incredible illustrator and poster artist. Um, and they're way better musicians than I am, and that's great. And, you know, I'm playing guitar in this new band, and um, it's a huge catharsis for me. I definitely feel an, uh, an emptiness in my life when I'm not making music. But I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm i fucking even, if you can imagine, I'm a way like a worse techn- guitarist technically than I am drafts person. And that's saying a lot, you know, like I, I'm. I'm
1: a cave woman. I don't know if i will cool. necessarily agree about inadequacies as a, as a draft person, um, because I actually both think all the work is pretty accomplished, um, and has has real stylistic um, thing going throughout all of it. So we'll just have to disagree
2: there. Well, that's there. that's kind. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I won't. I won't fight you over it. <laughs>
1: Uh, one of the things I was thinking about, because, I mean, it, in the book, you have the one guy who had never played guitar, um, and, and you're talking about how you come from not learning anything, and I was thinking about uh, Blixa Bargold, who is the singer for Eichers and Neuboten, uh who joined Nick Cave's band, The Bad Seeds, to play guitar, but he had never played the guitar before and didn't want to learn how <laughs> to play the guitar. I heard
2: that story. That's fucking awesome.
1: Yeah, so, like, for years, if you listen to, to any... Bat, or especially earlier bad seed stuff, like he's doing some weird shit with the guitar, uh, and he eventually left the band because it just turned into too much of a rock and roll show for him. Um, uh huh. And, and and I well just, that's, yeah that's
2: oh go ahead.
1: Well, no, that that was pretty much the the story, and I and I kind of like I like that idea of like doing something not having to have a specific modus behind it.
2: Yeah, no, that I think that's brilliant, and that's definitely like. Um, you know, many of the members of COFS had never played the instrument they were playing in that band, and so I and and um, I just yeah, I thought it, I thought it it was so liberating. You know, when I realized that you could just oh wow, if you want to do something, you can do it. Like it doesn't you don't there's no there's not a gatekeeper there who says like no you can but no you can't you no know, if you have where you know if you have the drive. Um, that it's, it's open to you. And that just blew my mind. I mean, that was so that was so huge and revelatory and um that was like the single greatest thing I learned like moving to Chicago to go to school was just that um you know there's no one who can tell you that you are are not an artist or a musician. Um so so yeah, really I mean, it gave me the courage to to start playing guitar in subsequent bands after cops broke up. Um, cause I had just been singing in that band, but yeah, then I had the courage. I was like, oh, well, you know, you can play, you can have a guitar that's like two down tuned strings and, um, you know, you can play it with, uh, with a, a monkey wrench and it's, you're a guitar player. It's great.
1: <laughs> I like that. Um, I think suicide was kind of along the same lines or same idea of like, Alan Vega was a visual artist who made rock and roll music without guitars.
2: Yeah, well, so many. Yeah, I think so many. Their Suicide is is a phenomenal example, but yeah, I think there there are so many like musicians who who started out as as artists first and foremost. I mean, Sonic Youth too. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: but there's, there's still there there's I don't know it, there's something tapping in there about that just that raw aesthetic, which I really. I have an affection for um, we should talk more about your actual comics because uh, I really one of the things that struck me with uh, your first book with school spirits um, is like you you have like a really raw aesthetic with with it but it's so um, resting in like really traditional comics in a way and I wonder uh-huh. about, about that influence on you of like because I see like Archie is a big part of it. Huge.
2: Yeah, yeah. Archie was the first comic. Like when people ask, like, "Well, what were the first comics uh, you looked at?" I mean, I, you know, my stock response is just that. Well, you know, as a as a young girl growing up in like a relatively isolated spot, like I didn't. Um, I I grew up speaking French. I went to a um. Uh, I, I grew up in on Prince Edward Island, oh, okay. uh, so i like. In Canada, and I went to a French immersion school. So, in our library, there was definitely there was um, a lot of Tintin, and I and that was huge. That was like um, probably the very first comic I ever read, and and followed by Archie because you could buy those in the uh, checkout line at the supermarket. So, and Gary Larson, I used to I always forget. I'm so bummed because um, I always forget to mention what a what a huge, huge influence uh, Gary Larson was. I read all those Farsight, you know, collections a million times. Um, and uh, so, yeah, th- those were like, that, w- that was sort of what I knew comics to be mm-hmm. for, for a very long time. And um, then once I met Dan Adel, you know, I I read his Art Out of Time Book and you know, fell in love with artists like Booty Rogers, and, like weirder, more obscure stuff. Um, you know, from like the turn of the century onwards, um, I really made I really made it a project to kind of learn a little bit about the history of cartooning because I, I came out at it late, and so I, I really wanted to like like the first I had kind of like a religious experience at um, I drove to Milwaukee. To the art cent uh, to the museum there to see the Masters of American Comics exhibit. Did you ever see that?
1: I never saw it, but I know of it. That's the one with like Panter and Kirby and Kniff. figure Yeah. Yeah. The big yeah.
2: guys. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Totally. And um, I saw that, and I was like, "Whoa!" The way these. Dudes, draw like the the early kind of like newspaper artists. They really like it. it really, to me, I realized that it was all about like, like they were, or, or and also Harryman, you know, like forms moving through space. I mean, obviously, duh. But like the way they were able to cartoon the human figure, to it was like like those early newspaper artists, like these. It was like three these three dimensional forms. It was so satisfying, like those almost like sculptural figures and just like kind of bouncing, like these rubbery figures kind of bouncing around. I love Jack Cole, too, you know. I just, like there's something to me that's so, it's it's just so awe-inspiring the way that, like, a great cartoonist can manipulate uh, the human form. So I, I, or, or you know, these these, like, these funny characters. But so I I saw that show and that was the first time that I I remember really thinking like, oh man, I don't care if I'm terrible at this, I want to spend the rest of my life do trying to, to do this.
1: Yeah. So what was after seeing that, what kind of stuff were you producing? at that point. Because I know you've done mini comics. I don't have uh I can't find them. I have some somewhere but my stuff is a mess. Um, yeah,
2: no, I I I've done a million of them and they're and, and a lot of them are really bad, you know, but I was I was doing them for like ten years and so I always kinda chuckle a little bit when people are like, you know, new cartoonist Anya Davidson. I'm like I might be new to you, but I was making like twenty page zines at Kinko's for, you know, a dozen years. Yeah. Um but um, and and I think you know that's something that I think a lot of younger people need to know because I think it's really like you know when when people start publishing you think oh that's the first comics they made and and it y- y- you know you don't get a true sense of like how much work mm-hmm. um, artists put in, bef- in before they they ever get published
0: because
2: mm-hmm. um, a lot of those zines are just lost. To history, you know. Um, I don't remember what I was
1: talking about. Uh, what kind? What what? What kind of stories were they? I mean. Um...
2: Oh, what kind of well? The very first one I did um, was called Sad Sack, and I didn't realize there was a Sad. I didn't know about Sad Sack and the Sarge at that point. I love it. And it um, it, was, <laughs> it was a collection of stories. Um, I had had like. Uh, I had had a really bad summer. It was like I think my sophomore year of college, maybe my junior year and I was um I got obsessed with the idea that maybe I was pregnant even though there was like no possible way that that, that could have could have been the case. And I was like I was just kind of like, yeah, I mean, not not doing so hot like psychologically mm-hmm. and I made a comic about a woman who Um, Oh, and it was based on my experience because I had worked at a a natural food store in uh, Nashville before moving to uh, Chicago to go to school. It's a long story how I ended up in Nashville. But anyway, (laughs) I I lived there uh, during my teen years. And I worked at this uh, store called Sunshine Grocery, which was... um, it, w- it was the last, I think it was like the oldest and last independent um, health food store standing and it eventually got bought out by Wild Oats which then got bought out by Whole Foods. But um, I was working in the natural living department and there were women coming in asking how to give themselves herbal abortion. And, you know, obviously I was like a 17 year old kid. I didn't you know, know anything about that? But I, but it, but it really left an impression on me. I really felt yeah. like, wow, this is heavy. Yeah. This is heavy to be like t- coming into a a natural food store, like asking some kid, like you must, that you must really be. Um,
1: Things aren't you know, good must be for serious. those. Folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And so I did a comic about a woman who goes to a natural food store and buys this, like. You know, kind of herbal abortion remedy that this strange man hands her, and then travels to another dimension. Um, that was that was a, uh, and then there was one, then there was another short story in that, um, in that comic about a Vietnam, no, not a Vietnam veteran, an Iraq war veteran who was living underground in a hole. Um, so. Yeah, it, it's all. It's. I mean, the themes really. It's all. It's all. All pretty. Uh, you know, the the craft has improved um, dramatically. I hope. I yeah. I mean, uh, it has. I mean, there. Um, but and but, I still read back on them and 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 chuckle to myself. You know, sometimes it's still me. It's still like this. Uh, you know, it's my voice. It's just you know, cartooning it really is a a, a cra- I really think of it as a craft uh, that that takes so long to learn that you know it took a very very long time for my my craft to to meet I think like the the voice that was kind of always there
1: mm-hmm. um, one of the things I think about is I saw a photo of you holding one of your pages and they're actually quite large um, and I think about like how seeing that master's um, Show kind of f- possibly affect you draft wise, and as far as like okay, this is the object that I have to make at the end of the day. Is that a, a good assumption or totally? Yeah, that's
2: that's in, no no, that's incredibly yeah, that's incredibly um, astute. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I saw the Masters of American Comics exhibit, and I thought, oh well, these guys are working like eighteen by twenty four page you know page size. Um, they're huge. The originals were enormous to me, and yeah. so yeah. That, that and and that that's um, I just thought. Well, these are the masters. Like clearly, that's what you have to do. So I was working huge, and and I have to say that was like a, a real detriment. Um, because, well, I mean, in hindsight, I guess it was okay. Because now that I've started working smaller, I can work exponentially faster. And I, you know, because I learned working, um, or I, you know, I taught myself my own crazy method working so big that that now it's just um, it, it's it's a lot faster when I work smaller. But yeah, I gradually got smaller and smaller, and now I'm, I mean, I like you know, eleven by fourteen is is um, is what I did, lovers in the garden. But yeah, the um, the pages for. Well, spirits were like 14 by 17 the pages for banned for life were about the same size um, so I, I've just started working a little bit smaller and it's, it's fucking great
1: <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever heard from anyone who's like I decided to start working bigger It's like I, I've heard lots of like oh I realize I don't need to do 22 by 17 and uh, life just got a lot easier
2: yeah, well, I, I've always been like, all oh my comics are so super wordy. And I was worried that I wasn't going to be able to, like, get enough uh, dialogue onto the page. You know, I, I was, like, concerned. But then I was like, oh, well, the, duh, you just might do fewer panels. Like, you can have a page with three panels on it. You can have a, a splash page. It's fine. Like, I was, you know, you I couldn't that was that was like another drawback from working that big is like to do a two-page spread or like a splash page is like exhausting like you know if you're working that big it's hard it's hard to control that area of, of page
1: one of the things i was thinking about with school spirits is it kind of reminded me like i mentioned the archie stuff earlier and it, it made me think of like what archie would be like if you took all the context out of it being these Archie characters and we're just high school experience, just a real high huh. school experience without the, you know, archiness.
2: Yeah, I love the archiness so much. <laughs> like, I don't want Archie to change. Like, and I don't want to make Archie, you know. And I yeah. don't want to make Archie. I don't. I don't want to like. I don't. I. You know, I'm not interested in being like. What if? What if? Archie was just real kids, like um,
1: but it's it, i
2: i love I love that there's something so soothing and comforting about like about Riverdale and that that imagined high school experience and and there's something so like yeah the the female desire and those Archie comics and everything like it's perfect i I wouldn't change anything about Archie um. I let me think. What if I? I mean, yeah i I love I love the goofy. Like I was saying, I love kind of the goofiness of of newspaper those like elastic limbed kind of like and the the simplicity of newspaper early newspaper comics and and the hand drawn quality of them. Like I just I think my like. The, all the drawing I love is just, like, very lo-fi. Or it's, yeah. like, it's, like, like I guess I'm, I'm really, it's, like, a real push and pull with me, though, because, like, my favorite art is really, like, the horniest art. And, like, <laughs> not not in terms of, of, like, fucking, per se. Like, not, not like, no, not, I mean.
1: But, like, in kind grade, of, like, like, the eyes bulging out kind of way. Like, whoa, like that. Or...
2: yeah. Yeah, and like, well, like you know, you can think of it literally as like Gilbert Hernandez, like Birdland, or or stuff like that. But like, the comics I love are just really explosive. Yeah, you know, and and they're they're like like I, I fucking love every time that Archie is running from someone, like running from um, Mr. Lodge, you know. And there's like, and he's he's just like like running full tilt. He's like flat out, just like. And his limbs are so exaggerated, and he's just like like you look at it, and you're just like you can you know, it's so visceral, yeah. and and that's why I love Plastic Man too. I just you know you look at that stuff, and you can just like people are or or um, John Stanley um the thirteen going on eighteen those yeah. comics like the the girls are like like in constant motion, and people are like like screaming and there are all these like crazy like all these insane motion lines. Like it looks like his hand never stopped. Like he was just like attacking each panel like a maniac, you know? But but the figures are like so static. It, it's like it yeah, well it's like this platonic perfection of like how to render um a human figure with the fewest brush strokes. Yeah. But, but and they look like and they're like immaculate, but they're also so alive. Yeah. Like they're so the stuff that I respond to the least, I guess, is like the is 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 the cartooning that's kind of like the least kinetic. Like to me, when I when I look at a page of of those like 13 going on 18 uh, comics, like my heart just leaps. you know, it's it's like conveying, it really is like you just ima- imagine this artist like, breathing life into the characters, and they are he, the, the artist. Really, then is God, like ha- has created these characters that are moving on their own across the page. Um, that that is like so. That kind of um, like yeah. That that so. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I guess I'm saying like yeah. I just. It, like Dan DiCarlo did, you know, I've always wanted to, like, I've aspired, and John Stanley, like, I've aspired to draw the figure, um, simply and, and quickly, but, but, and well, but have the figure in kind of like, in, in, in flux always, in, mm-hmm. in, in motion, in, in like, fate, you know, or if there's a close up to have like, like the like facial expressions to kind of get all that down and I'm like you know I'm so far away from that and I always think like oh god I, like I just went to the print shop today and across the hall from, from the print shop where I, I do um, my screen printing and uh, where my friend does riso printing uh, there's this funny like traditional kind of figure studio called platform studios and it's kind of like middle aged men go there to like drink wine and, and draw from figure models and I'm always like trying to grew up the courage to go there on like Tuesday nights and I do the $5 donation and do figure drawing because, you know, I I do think that that's like the backbone of of great cartooning and I I feel like I need to brush up on it because I'm constantly looking at my work and, you know, feeling like the, you know, figures are out of proportion or or wrong in in some other way but like, that is like, yeah, the all-time best cartooning to me. Mm Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know if that answers your
1: question I, I don't know either but it doesn't matter Because I like the answer yeah. um, <laughs> right. And like 13 going on 18 is really like It's a It's a unique example that I hope More folks decide to check out After we talk about this Because it is really a great Like School book and comicing Of just like Great draftsmanship, great storytelling, great gags. It's great.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's timelessly wonderful. My friend um, my friend Max, who's just like an incredible um, human encyclopedia of, of comics knowledge, um, gave me that for my birthday, and it kind of changed my life. He also gave me um, Banda Carlo's Jetta, which um, I don't know if you've seen that book, but it's... Um, I don't remember if it predates Archie or not. No, I mean, it couldn't, because Archie, Archie was going for a while, even, I think, before Dan DiCarlo came on board. I uh, Dan oh, yeah. DiCarlo just initiated the house style, um, but Archie had been going on for eons. So when you look at, like, early Archie, he looks like Alfred E. Newman. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so so um, I'm not sure exactly when Dan DiCarlo did did those Jeddak comics, but that, I mean, if that doesn't give you a boner, I mean, that is fucking... <laughs> That is like um, space and Archie, like my two favorite fucking things together. You know, space it's like Archie. it's not Archie, but but it's drawn like Archie. You know, it's like the same kind of like goofy. Um, you know, they they look very similar to that to Archie characters, but they're in space. It's so great.
1: Um, one of the things I was thinking about. Uh, getting to know more about you is kind of how your own high school uh, experience reflects on school experience because you mentioned uh, going to French immersion in in Prince Edward Island. And for those that don't speak Canadian, uh, it's a very uh, I'm presuming pretty rural, not necessarily rural, but not a very populous growing up. And I don't know if like you stayed there for a long time um, or because you said you yeah, came I... to the states. I lived
2: I lived on PEI. I grew up there so um I was five when my parents moved there and, and um my mom and I my parents divorced um and so my mom and I moved back we moved to Nashville, Tennessee, which is where she is from originally when I was fourteen. So yeah, I had a tremendous culture shock and but although like I you know, PEI doesn't get a lot of credit, but although it's very rural, like made it over from the mainland like you know all the kids in all, all the kids in middle school were into nirvana and stuff you know it mm-hmm. wasn't like and skateboarding and you know it wasn't like nobody had you know people watched mtv i mean i i didn't have cable but um, people i knew did like people people knew what was what was going on and like um in the world it wasn't it wasn't like we were on like a an iceberg it wasn't um, like
1: you're in labrador <laughs> Sorry. I don't
2: it's, know. is yeah. <laughs> j- <laughs> a Canadian nookie <laughs> joke. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I'm,
1: lo- I'm going to lose government funding for that one. <laughs>
2: um, no, yeah. I mean, we. so, um, but, yeah, I was like, you know, I mean, I was just a weird fucking kid. Like, I was just weird. Like, I, I don't know. I, I wasn't going to fit in anywhere, so it didn't really matter where I was. Um, mm-hmm. I... So, but yeah, I had, like, close friends. I had one very dear friend who who kind of got into grunge around the same time as me. And um, and so, you know, we, we listened to... We bought punk records, and we would just order stuff sight unseen off of the back of, like, punk zines from American distros and stuff. We would order 7 Inches and stuff. And there was a little... There was um this art space that's you know that's the thing about Canada you know government there is government funding for the arts, unlike in the states, so there was like a little art space there that had um punk shows after hours and uh, it was very close knit and weird community because it was you know just born out of necessity and it was very uh very very small and um you know the so the people who were involved were really you know yeah. serious about it and um, when I moved to the States, yeah, I had a big culture shock and um, couldn't really, you know, recalibrate, like couldn't really. Um, I, my, my mom was worried that I would be, you know, shark fodder in public school, so she sent me to uh, a, a like, pretty exclusive private school uh, for the first two years of high school. And that was a really difficult thing to, uh, you know, wrap my mind around.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then um,
1: I, I, I don't, that sounds a you know. more isolating than how I'm describing PEI.
2: Yeah, well, it was it was it was kind of cool in a way because I've always loved, I've always loved to learn, and there, you know, there was a lot of learning going on but But what was difficult to navigate was everything else. It was like you know the the cliques and the the social status stuff, and um you know I became gradually more and more depressed and kind of flamed out and uh and and then finally um got sent to uh a public school which was which I really loved because it was way more diverse and um and, uh, I, and I'd already done all the learning I was going to do in those two years, uh, in, like, my freshman and sophomore years. So for the last two years of high school, I basically just made art, like, mm-hmm. fucked up art, and uh, and that was it. And uh, I, could, like, coast, was able to coast by in, in public school and, and, like, made friends, made, like... Re, uh, like, met other, like, real weirdos, so, so that was, you know, it, 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 was okay, but by, by the time high school was over, like, I had, I had no energy left, like, I, I, wa- wasn't applying to colleges, like, I wasn't, I was, I just, like, was ready to go live in a cave somewhere.
1: Yeah. Um, did you stay in Nashville, or did you kind of move north? After.
2: No, I ended up in no, I ended up I I got into college because um someone came and visited my uh high school art class and like like a representative from the Art Institute of Chicago. I had oh, never wow. heard of Chicago. I didn't know what the fuck Chicago was. <laughs> I mean, I was like I was so I I just, you know, I because I moved to the state's like at 14 I'd missed all the kind of american geography and stuff and I was just like I was so out of it like living in my own you know I was in, in private school I was learning about like you know trench warfare in world war 1 and like you, you know I I was like learning history and and um language and stuff but I I had missed a lot of like fundamentals so I didn't you know I didn't know anything about anything really and um and so yeah i didn't know what, what you know oh chicago this, this woman just came and was like you can you can come to the art institute you know based on on this portfolio of like insane paintings you've been making i think it was more like the volume of i think she was just like overwhelmed by the volume of them mm-hmm. and was just like okay well i guess i guess you are clearly into into making paintings yeah. um and and so that's how I ended up in Chicago, but it was it was a total fluke. I didn't apply to any other colleges and um, I had been considering you know, um, going to work on an organic farm or something.
1: But that's actually like a really good art school to get into as well. So I mean presumptive. I, I don't know. You know? Okay.
0: <laughs>
2: no? Okay. I, mean, I think it was I think it was at one point. I think what I think their strategy now, Robin, is that they um, accept a large volume of of freshmen, with the knowledge that uh, a large percentage will drop out freshman year, that they'll be that they'll be weeded out by the first year fundamentals program.
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of the same in any art school. I know in Vancouver that it's pretty intensive, uh, conceptual stuff, and uh, most kids coming from high school have no clue and kind of get lost in that. So yeah, say, Livie. Um, did you daydream a lot in school?
2: Um, I slept a lot in school. I was, like, on so many antipsychotics and antidepressants. I was just, like, like, um, like a on or under my desk um, for, like, most of uh, junior and senior year. Um, and I had, like, I did, I mean, I had, I, I don't want to, like, make more of it than it was, but I did have kind of like a, like a psychotic break,
1: you know, I did
2: have like, and I think it was precipitated by extreme depression, and I, and I have not, in my, like, later adult life, I've, I've, um, you know, not had those kind of issues, but it was like a really, I had a really severe, I was hospitalized, I was, um, and I, and I really, like, um, School Spirits was really kind of a way to, yeah to communicate the the yeah I mean I was just i didn't i had a longing uh I definitely had a longing to be elsewhere.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I've kind of always wanted to 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 make work about specifically about my hospitalization because um there were some really funny there were like some really funny, weird incidents, and I, I would be. Like I think it would. I think I. I just I've never been able to make like pure biographical work. And I and I'm I, I know I'll figure it out at some point. But um, yeah, just just like just communicate a way to communicate the longing of like wanting to like just like punch your way out of this reality. Yeah. Like I know, there's a that like a lot of Silicon Tech gurus are uh, well. I I don't know. I don't. Um, I've just seen stuff on the internet. I haven't read too deeply into it, but I've heard that you know some Silicon Valley Tech gurus are trying to figure out like how to bust us out of the matrix, um, and paying a lot of their like personal spending spending their personal fortunes to try to you know that. To try to like break us out of the simulation that we're in, um, which I think is is ludicrous and, and sad. Um, but kind but, of amazing too. But, well, yeah. I mean, I just think it's it's I I just think it's incredibly um, narcissistic to think that we're like somebody's um like playthings. Mm-hmm. I I just think that you know like. I think the idea that we are that, that like some one or, or some intelligence has put us in this box to play with is just so it's like like I don't I mean, no, we put ourselves in this box and it's called like late stage capitalism. Like if you're unhappy, um you know, there's, there's, there're so many ways that that our world could be better. Blaming it on a on a an outside entity, you know, is just so silly.
1: Mm-hmm. And even when you talk about capitalism, I mean, these are the 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 means of production right now is the is the tech industry. That's yeah. That's kind of the overarching. Okay, we're going all Marxist now. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's fine. No, I, I, yeah, this is stuff I, I think about. You know, I still, I still want to punch my way out of, out of reality. But you know, I, um, yeah, I, I, I think I also, uh, I think the way to do that is by sitting, is by, is by changing your own reality, and that's, that's like, you know, I think what artists are trying to do.
1: I don't want to say, like, I'm trying to find the right word that makes me think of like how your, your your work is working for yourself, and I don't want to say catharsis, because I don't think it's a catharsis as much as something else, and I don't know how to describe that. My brain's not working, right? But it's something yeah, in the, I don't that's know. making me think of something, but it's definitely not catharsis, because I don't think it's like, I need to get this out as a passion, like, you know what I'm saying? Am I making sense?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I definitely I think of it as purgative in a way. Like, I definitely it's like it's it's kind of like like making the work is just another function that that like until my thoughts have gone have been like channeled through that um, avenue. Mm-hmm they haven't really fully been thought or something like it's just it's like part of the thought macerating process that i have like i can't can't really understand certain concepts until i've worked them out on paper i can't really can't really um let go of certain painful incidents or or certain yeah certain thoughts until they've been kind of like chewed chewed up and digested in this other stomach that's, that is cartoony <laughs> like a cow yeah. I have, I have yeah.
1: <laughs> the intellectual stomach
2: uh huh
1: <laughs> um so it, it, it sounds to me like your work is very experiential um it is it, informed by your daily life
2: yeah. Yeah, that's accurate. I mean, and I... I, um, You know, with Lovers in the Garden, I wanted to do a story that was not at all based on my personal experience in any way, shape, or form, but the dialogue and the, you know, who the characters are is still always informed by, by experience. Mm-hmm. Um... And I have a hard time, like... I have a, I, you know, I don't want to speak, I don't want to, like, try, I don't want to speak for people's experiences that I haven't had. I mean, if you're a fiction writer, you have to have make people have experiences that you haven't had, and that can get a little dicey, because, you know, um, for instance, like, there's a prison moment in Ban for Life, and I've never been to prison, and, you know, I was talking to Dan Nadell about that, and he's, you know, I, I th- those are kind of like, you know, I, I try to use, my judgment with with those kinds of experiences that I haven't had, uh, I try to um, handle them in a in a way that is is responsible. I guess mm-hmm. I don't know.
1: What's your worry in a situation like that?
2: Um, I I mean, I, I there are certain. I I just you know there there.
1: And I know this I, is, I,
2: I, like, oh, go
1: ahead. I would say, I know this is, like, an obvious, possibly an obvious thing for a lot of folks, but I also think, like, some folks may not get that, and so why, why is that a concern? Yeah, does that help?
2: Yeah, well, it, it's important for me to, like, I want my work to be inclusive, and I want it to, I want it, I, I want it to be, like, I don't, like, I don't want to shy away from including characters or experiences that I, you know, that are, that are not from my, um, like, purview, that, that, like, you know, I, I want to make sure that the work reflects the world that I live in and not just me personally. Mm-hmm. I, I want it to reflect the wider world. And it, it, yeah, it's going to be through through my lens, but I don't want to. D- d- um, I don't want to demean anyone else's experiences. Demean is not the right word. I don't want to like. Um,
1: Make light. I I,
2: I yeah yeah I'm like I want I want the work to be funny, and I want it to be, um, you know, and I don't. I'm not interested in being PC you know in the the like like I'm interested in, in making work that is difficult and and that deals with difficult things and I think sometimes in order to do that you you just have to take it to a place where someone you know might be unhappy with you and that's fine I you know I'm but I I really do care about the characters and I want I don't want to make light of their experiences or trivialize anyone else's experiences. I my work is um it's just like about yeah, it's it's, it's not about um it is it is somewhat about satire, but it's definitely not about parody or or like um yeah, I don't know. It's 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 hard to it's it's hard to explain. I mean, it's very simple, like you said. You know, most people will understand what I mean, but it is it is difficult to articulate.
1: It's that it's that balance of like, because you can do parody, uh, but without mocking.
2: I think. Yeah, like everyone is, you know, like if um, yeah, I want to laugh with the characters, um, and I and I. Yeah, I, I just, I yeah, I want the characters to, to have have their own personhood, and and I definitely like will make decisions based on like, oh, I don't think that, you know, I just don't see the character doing X, Y, or Z because I I know who they are now. I've like spent some time thinking about who they are, and I just don't see them saying or doing something, even if it would be funny, like even if in that moment, like, oh, be so funny if this character was like you know, sayonara, bro, or something, which I would not ever have any of my characters say, but, um, you know, but I'll be like, <laughs> I'll be like, oh, no, um, you know, this character, uh, you know, um, Stanley the Rat, who is also not not a character of mine, um, would never say sayonara, bro, because he's kind of a book, the bookish one who, um, you know, would maybe use a literary reference or something. That is a horrendous example but um yeah I I mean I just I uh I just wanna know who the characters are and, and how they would or wouldn't act and, and, and even you know and they are living in, in in the world, like in this world, even though it's like very cartoon cartoonized. Um it's it is it is our world.
1: Yeah. Well let's talk about the cartooniness to Ban for Life um, because, I mean, your other books um, deal with with people with, you know, not anthropomized uh, kind of monster characters were Ban for Life, uh, it's a very like, weird set now, but in a I I don't know how to describe the characters, I mean, they're purple-skinned dudes, there's the pink dude with the horn on his head three-eyed music critic who's green um, kind of like an insect <laughs> he's face. definitely
2: based on a real person <laughs>
1: <laughs> an unfavorable person uh we can yep. stay with that then um but it, yeah this world like uh what was the attraction for you in uh kind of going into these uh kind of ridiculous looking characters
2: well, you know the, the strip. It was a weekly strip, and I kind of wanted it to be like a Saturday morning cartoon. You know, I um, loved Heathcliff as a kid. I really liked kind of like ensemble cast comedy. Um, and so, yeah, I, and I love B movies, and um, and I and I also love I don't remember the name of the comic, which is really embarrassing. It was like I think it was one of Matt Brinkman's in um in Primrose, and it was about, like, this, like, character who did, their their job was, like, milking these udders. Do you remember that one? No. It I, was, like, a monster. It was, I like, forget this monster creature. This yeah, it was, like, this monster creature whose job is milking these udders, and I was, like, that is fucking hilarious, because this comic is just about someone's shitty job, um, but it's way funnier to me that like the shitty job is so shitty like it's um and so so yeah like uh that the these people are weirdos and i was like I, i'll just have their their like character design um reflect that to kind of like the the furthest degree and i and i think like kind of deadpan comedy like i think there's one there's one point where uh, one of the characters is saying about Kristoff, the, the three-eyed green monster music critic um, Don't let his good looks fool you, he's kind of a loser And I, I thought like those kinds of jokes were mm-hmm. just like very deadpan Kind of like, you know, where where the reader knows that the characters are people But they're visualized as monsters Like to me that was that kind of made me chuckle yeah. And since I'm my only barometer of what's <laughs> funny, uh, it got in the book.
1: Um, now, the this book, uh, was this your first using markers, or had you done that for other work?
2: No, I'd never done it before. Um, I'm still, you know, always learning how to draw. And um, I wanted to color it quickly because... I, you know, once again, it was a weekly comic. It needed to go up every Friday. So I was just like, well, I hate, I, I, I love the way certain stuff look. like, you know, certain people who know how to color things digitally well are great. Um, a lot of people can't, but the people, you know, you can't, it, I, it's not that I'm like anti-digital coloring at all. I mean, some people can do amazing things with it. I just don't enjoy doing it. like I don't enjoy the process of doing it i I will do it often, but i I'm just like I was like, well, since I'm gonna be working on this for a while and since it it needs to be done quickly, uh, i I know that I can do the coloring more quickly with markers, and it looked good on a computer screen, you know it was going up on the on on a blog. So it's like okay, well, uh, you know, the the kind of like bright light of the computer screen kind of lights up these marker colors, and um, you know, it looked it looked fun, mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah, that was that was, and I I made the you know decision very quickly. That's like the other funny thing about cartooning, like you make one split second decision and then you just have to stick with it for two hundred and fifty pages. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Did you think the book would be that long when you started on it?
2: Yeah. Yeah, because I'm really fucking stubborn and I'm really like I'm really competitive and um Lane, uh my partner had just done a book that was 250 pages and I was like I was like that's the high watermark, 250 pages. I want to try to do that too.
1: But you're going to um, do it in color.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry, Lane.
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah. I know. I feel competitive. Lane is someone that I that I I I feel okay about feeling competitive with because, like, um, there's not a lot of like. I mean, there's there's certainly some some overlap with like the themes that we're interested in and stuff, but like, you know, he his when I first met him, like I was just blown away by his like you know, unbelievable cross-hatching ability and his, like, incredible, I mean, he, his, like, figure drawing skills, and, I mean, I just felt like, you know, and this is how I feel about a lot of people that I, that I greatly admire, was just, like, we're not really even playing the same game, so I can be, like, I can be competitive with, with him, but I'm not going to, like, we're not kind of even playing in the same ballpark. So, like, that's, that's how I feel about, like, Steve Ditko, too. Like, I look at Steve Ditko's stuff, and I'm like, all right, Steve, I'm coming for you. But, like, there's no way in hell I'm ever going to get, like like, that's, like, if you're going to spend your time and effort, like, studying and ripping off people, like, you might as well choose, you know, people who are, who are, like, on an exponentially higher level because then even if you try and fail, you're still kind of failing up.
1: Yeah. I like that. <laughs> um, after, because for a while, Ben for Life was on Vice, uh, and after um, you weren't doing it for them anymore, um, did you kind of change how you were working on it uh, when you were just working on it for yourself? and didn't have no
2: that to no I kept doing it exactly the same way because I didn't want the book to be disjointed mm-hmm. um, I wanted I wanted the book to like read um, you know solid from from start to finish I didn't want the reader to feel like oh what happened here all of a sudden it's very different um, there were about 50 pages and I, and I really enjoyed, you know, continuing to put it online. You know, there—I I think I, I probably have about five or six like hardcore fans, um, and that was fucking. Those people, those dudes, um, really, really made it work for me because I was like, well, I still have an audience. I've got to do it for John, Bob, Joe, Sylvia, and Ted. Like, they're they're waiting on this. I got to keep going. Um, so. So yeah, I just kept posting it on Tumblr for like the five people who were into it, and uh, and doing it exactly the same way. And then um, there were about fifty pages that were never p- put up online. Like I've s- I've seen some people saying like, oh, the whole thing is up online, and it's it's not. Like you could, there's a lot of it online, but um, yeah, there's like the fifty final pages. Um, I and and I, and that was you know and. I had gotten so into kind of sharing it that it was weird, like, just working on
1: back. that. mm mm-hmm. yeah. Um Now, the ending of the book, we're not going to talk about what happened at the end, because I'm hoping folks want to read it. Uh, but, and how do I put this without actually talking about the ending? Um, because it's interesting, it, it kind of leaves things open, in a way. Um, and I kind of like that, like, it's Not conclusive but it's satisfying Yeah Was there a question? I don't know that really wasn't a question Was it? Uh, I'm a bad interviewer I'm going to get fired Well I am just wondering about like Do you have intentions to kind of continue With these characters of some sort Or kind of moving on And just kind of leaving that as like a capsule Of these folks in this place and time For them
2: well, I, I left it open um, because I, yeah, I prefer open-ended endings. I, I you know, I don't, um, you know, I wasn't setting it up for a sequel. Yeah. But, um, you know, and I wanted it to be sad. I, you know, I anyway, yeah, I won't give it away. But um, uh, I don't know. I, I think that's, like, also part of my, like, a curse. Uh, that I have is like um, I'm like really restless and I mean you can you can see that I think that's like why um, the like I'm so into like kinetic figures and stuff like I, I have a restless hand um, I'm not like I'm not restless in terms of like having ADD or anything like I can sit for 10-12 hours and draw but I'm all that time I'm like drawing very quickly if that makes sense <clears throat> like I'm just like and so I, and and my brain also wants to just keep, like, processing through ideas very quickly. So I have my next book, you know, conceived, and I, I've started working on it, and um, it's not Ban for Life. But um, I also really did love, like, having... I mean, Ban for Life was a, a terrific outlet for me to process a lot of the disappointments and frustrations and highs and lows and stuff of of, you know, just being... Being a creative person, so it was really nice to have that outlet. Um, so yeah, I mean i I could I, I'm not I'm not discounting the idea of ever picking it back up, but I'm also like, I mean, I'm so bad. Like, I finished Band for Life like six months ago, and even promoting it feels painful. Yeah, you know, like Sorry about like that. even no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy to. I'm proud of the book. You know, I. I want people to see it I I, I don't and then that's the problem is that like I'm my own worst enemy. Because
1: um, there's a disconnect. As many of us are.
2: There's, yeah there's a disconnect now like it like I, I finished it and, and now like my brain is like a million other places and I could definitely see myself coming back to it but like once I finish something usually I kind of have to like set it alight and push it out onto the river. Um, and just let it like like drift away from me um before I can and, and like really come to terms with it, so like I could definitely see myself picking band for life up again in like nine months or a year or something like rereading it and and being like, oh man yeah i'm I'm ready now i'm I'm ready to like um start the next chapter or, or something, but um but i yeah, I really have to have some space from it. And that's why it is kind of like, yeah, I'm so, uh, like that's why I'm just like, hey guys, I've got this new book, like this book that I made that came out like a few months after Ban for Life. Like, look at this now, and it's like, no, it, Band for Life is like, I, I I need to give it, I need to give it its due. Like, I'm yeah. psyched about it. I I like it. I I want people to read it. But I'm yeah, I'm.
1: We should else. mention the other book, uh, Lovers in the Garden. Um which is totally in a completely other dire- direction from your other work like it's interesting how you just kind of focused on like a micro relationship just four people and kind of what happens in a day that's um, not a good description but no that 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 makes sense
2: that's what it is yeah yeah, I mean I'm all over the place. Like I just did a theme that's set in Guardian England. My next book was set in like I wish I could just have two characters like like Sam and, and Tim. I'm like, oh Anya Davidson, she's the person who draws the Sam and Tim comic and everyone, you know, would know what the fuck I did and like I could like just keep doing it forever. Um I I would like pray sometimes for like the the quietness of mind to just like like, hone in on one thing and do it for a very long time, Um, but that I just have, have been unable to. I think partly because I am, like, trying to force myself to learn new things and to, like, grow and get better, and so, like, I'm always, I think, like, it's a little bit lack of confidence. It's a little bit, like, legitimate desire to become better at the craft. Um, it's a little bit like I am a person who's fascinated. Like my mom is the same way. Like my mom's a substance abuse counselor, but she wrote a book about the history of quilt making on Prince Edward Island. Um, wow, she is a she is obsessed with Paleolithic tools and has been collecting like and researching like Paleolithic man. I mean, you know, like we're both people who just like kind of are into are like fascinated. Um, by everything and can't quite like keep our minds quiet and and the people I love are are similar like the people the people I I am really drawn to are people who just want to tell you about like um, you know cliff-dwelling birds and um, you know the history of Saskatoon and um, you know millinery traditions and Javanese culture, like, I, I don't know, I, I'm just, yeah, I, I, um, and I, and and maybe, you know, and I, I'm, because I kind of, like, didn't have, gr- like, I didn't go to grad school, I never was kind of, like, I never had to kind of, like, write a thesis or, like, decide, like, okay, well, this is the thing mm-hmm. that, you know, like, I, I, yeah, maybe, maybe that's part of the reason, but I, I'm just, like, so fascinated by all this different stuff, and it's hard to. To figure out, like, what what's the, what's my thing?
1: You don't need to write a thesis if you've done a two hundred and fifty page comic book. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say that. Yeah, I I, I may not be uh, academically accurate, but I'm I'm gonna go with that.
2: Okay, well that's good to know because, man, I've been contemplating grad school for the past dozen years. <laughs>
1: Is there a reason like do you want to teach or is there something you want to get more out of your work or?
2: Yeah, I mean I, I think it's just like I, I I think it's like like a worry that like, oh, what if I have this untapped potential that I that but no, I don't think I do. I think I pretty much know what my potential is at this point, but but yeah, I mean I you know, I have um I have friends in grad school right now, and I mean, um, they've just had some amazing experiences. I mean, um, Chris Ware was just at the Art Institute for a semester and, you know, imparted oh, some incredible wisdom on, on you know, some of my dear friends. And, I, you know, I felt a little bit of FOMO. I, w- I felt a little bit of um, jealousy uh, because, you know, I was like, oh, maybe there's this one one thing that i that that would change everything i think that that's the other thing too about like the restlessness or the wondering if i could do better or like trying to figure out um always trying to figure out like if i can improve in some way is wondering like oh well, what if there's this, this this one thing that one key that will unlock everything and 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 then suddenly i'll be like really good and and there isn't like that's garbage but that that is just like um a function of my my like like anxiety and and
1: like yeah well i don't know when man for life came out because i'm really bad at paying attention but i think like it is a really complex complete work and i think uh i hope folks jump into it and kind of explore because i think there's a lot you're doing there um which lays a lot of framework for a cartooning career. If that makes sense. Oh, thanks,
2: man. Yeah. That no, means no, a lot to me.
1: Yeah. No, I really liked it. Like, um, like I said, I wish I spent more time, I had more time to kind of spend with it. Um, because, like, when I'm preparing for these things and I haven't exactly had a luxury of time of late, um, yeah. So it's good. Um,. I feel like that's a good spot to end on.
2: Uh, we've been talking I think for so. A while. Um,
1: reminder, folks, I have been talking to Anya Davidson, and the latest book is Band for Life, as well as School Spirits, and uh, from the fine retrofit dudes, uh, Lovers in the Garden, uh, another full-color uh, project, um, which will be in finer stores fairly soon, I hope. Um, thank you so much, Anya.
2: Thank you so much, Robin. This was lovely.
0: Raven is a killer. Raven is a killer. It's a killer. It's a killer. It's a killer, yeah. Raven is a killer. Raven is a killer. It's a killer. It's a killer. It's a killer, yeah. Raven is a killer.